Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Ass swing. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Chadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com, and it is finally football season, thank God. No more off-season stories about uh, good to great and culture changes and, and how guys are getting better in the weight room and all this nonsense. It's actual football game week, and we're joined today by Mike Anthony, the Statesboro Herald sports editor and Georgia Southern beat writer. Mike, are you ready for football, man? No more off-season stories. That's I cannot stress that enough to the fans, just how mind-numbing some of these um, off-season. Now, Georgia Southern has had an eventful off-season, so it, it hasn't been uh, boring, but it's just been you know one thing after another, it seems like. I'm just so pumped that this time next week there will be actual stats and football to discuss. So uh, today's episode, we are going to run down the entire season uh, as quickly as Mike and I can, we do have producer Zach here today to keep us in line. Uh, so you guys that don't like the lengthier episodes, he's here to protect that from happening. Um, that's me. I don't like the lengthier episodes. That's, that is producer Zach that doesn't like the lengthier episodes. Mike and I actually love them. But we're going to run through the season predictions. We are going to give our predictions kind of for segments of each part of the Georgia Southern schedule. Um, and then we'll obviously have our final season predictions and conference records and stuff like that. Then at the back end of this, you'll hear uh, my interview with LSU beat writer uh, for 247 Sports, Sonny Ship. Sonny will help us get to know the number six ranked LSU Tigers ahead of this Saturday's season opener at Tiger Stadium, uh, 7.30 Eastern kickoff on Saturday, August 31st. That's an ESPNU uh, game. So, Mike, you ready to get jumped into this uh, to the season preview? Let's get going. Alright, cool. So we're going to do this first. We're going to take the first three games uh, and kind of group that as the first little slate of games. That's August 31st at LSU, September 7th, home against Maine, and then September 14th at Minnesota. So, off the bat, I'm going to say one and two. That's not... Uh, a revolutionary guess there, but I would say this just from those three games, these three games to start the season, one and two uh, is expected from, you know, from most everybody, I would say outside of the Georgia Southern locker room, um, most realists at, at least. Um, but one and two is not only what's, what's kind of uh, expected from, from those on the outside looking in one and two for me, Mike is, is mandatory. You, you had better not slip up against Maine um, in the middle of these two Power 5 games on the road. 
because then that sets up the rest of the slate uh, really, really hard. And all of a sudden, those six wins that you need to get bowl eligible uh, become a little bit more difficult if you were to slip up against Maine, who is, as we've touched on before, uh, you know, a 10-win team from last season, uh, top 10 team uh, in the FCS preseason ranks. But, you know, I, I would say that Georgia Southern would be favored over Maine uh, around the same margin that Minnesota would be favored over Georgia Southern the following week. Um, I, I would guess around 20 points for that one. So uh, LSU right now is a 27-point favorite uh, with the over-under at 52.5 for the season opener. I'm going to obviously guess that Georgia Southern loses there, beats Maine, and then loses at Minnesota. Um, things could change before that September 14th game at Minnesota. I do think that Georgia Southern will show well uh, at Minnesota, regardless of how they do uh, in Baton Rouge week one. Mike, how do you see these first three weeks shaping out, and, and what do you see their record as after three weeks? Yeah, I got to agree with you on the the one and two with uh, the win and the two losses coming in the same spots. You know, LSU, they're a top 10 team. They're, they're not going to look past Georgia Southern, I don't think. I know they've got a big game with Texas the following week, but, you know, one of the uh, uh, things that is – uh, killed option teams throughout the years is giving the other team time to prepare. And LSU has seen a little bit of it before. Uh, I think that maybe they don't spend as much time as, say, you know, if App State had Georgia Southern to begin the season, they'd spend their entire offseason on it. But LSU has definitely got the athletes to where if they're not missing assignments, they're going to be able to make some plays, make life tough for the Georgia Southern offense. Uh, as far as the main game, I think that what you'll see uh, if you're a Georgia Southern fan all those frustrating games where they had a really good SCS team that just couldn't quite hang on against, you know, an Alabama, a Georgia, when they really gave them a run for their money. But then they faded late. I think that's what you see from Maine. They're a very good team. As you said, a top 10 team. Uh, I think that they're good enough to give Georgia Southern a scare, at least early on. But then it's going to be a hot, muggy day in Statesboro. You've got the 22 additional scholarships on Georgia Southern side. And back when Georgia Southern was on the other side of the coin, that's where it made the difference. The third and fourth quarter where your second and third stringers are having to make contributions due to injury and fatigue. And I think that's where Georgia Southern can pull away. And then as far as Minnesota goes, I know a lot of Georgia Southern fans are picking that to be an upset. They think that they can uh, get it done. All I can say is Georgia Southern is going to test Minnesota, but I think Minnesota has the perfect build to beat Georgia Southern. They've got a huge offensive line that's going to test that run defense for the Eagles. And on top of that, even though their quarterback, it looks like, is going to be out for the season, they've got probably the best wide receivers Georgia Southern's going to face all year. I know we've talked about the secondary of the Eagles, but they are going to get tested. And if they don't have a little bit of help, if everybody's busy trying to, to stop that offensive line in the run game, Minnesota could take a couple of big shots and hurt the Eagles. And Mike, I guess for you, who you were at Auburn in 2017 when Georgia Southern opened up uh, with that version of the Tigers. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess Georgia Southern will have played three Power Five non-conference Tigers uh, in the last three years with, with Auburn, Clemson, and now LSU. Uh, you were there in 2017 at Auburn. Uh, is there a difference for you in the way that this one feels leading up to it at LSU as opposed to that season opener in 2017? Yeah, I think that there's definitely going to be more expectations on Georgia Southern. No one really calling for the upset, but when you looked at it, or now that you've got two seasons removed from it, when you look back at it, look at what you had. You had Shy Words making his first ever start in front of 90-some thousand people at Jordan-Hare Stadium. 
you was looking at a defensive line that has three guys that are playing in the NFL right now, and now you fast forward to this year, you've got Wirtz who's got two years of experience under his belt. They're not breaking in a new offensive coordinator as they were back in that Auburn game. He's got some experienced guys in the system behind him to lean on. Everybody's got that confidence. And when you look across the line, you know, LSU's defensive front, obviously no joke. There's guys who are playing on Saturday that'll soon be playing on Sunday. I don't think it'll be quite the same as what they saw against Auburn a couple of years ago where Clemson last year. So not to knock LSU, but the Georgia Southern offense, definitely better than two years ago. The uh, defensive front that they're going to be facing maybe a half step below what they faced the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Mike. I think that just the, the entire program is kind of in a different place than they were, uh, you know, two years ago, almost to the day when they opened up uh, at Auburn. Um, Mike, let's jump to uh, so you got one and two, I got one and two through the first three. Let's jump to the next kind of portion. Uh, Georgia Southern will have a bye week on September 21st, then Louisiana on September 28th to open up Sunbelt Conference play, uh, and then back on the road at South Alabama in Mobile on Thursday, October 3rd. So just two games to pick from uh, here, Mike. I- I'm going to say 2-0, and but with a caveat, I'm going to say this to me is where the season can either really take off or really derail. Uh, starting 1-3 one in- one in for Georgia Southern is... is- not out of the realm of possibility. That would mean losing to uh, number six LSU on the road, uh, beating Maine, uh, losing at Minnesota, and then losing to Louisiana, who was the Sun Belt Conference West champion last year, um, a team that you know finished obviously good enough to play in the Sun Belt Conference title game. Uh, Georgia Southern wasn't good enough to do that last year out of the much tougher East, granted, but. They are a Western Division champ, nonetheless, in Louisiana. I do think Georgia Southern uh, coming off that bye week uh, helps them, so I'm going to give them the win there. And then at South Alabama on a short week uh, on Thursday, October 3rd, I think it it smells to me a lot like kind of that Texas State game did last year, but I, I would say, you know, this far out looking at that South Alabama game, Georgia Southern can win that game. Uh, even if they're not playing their A, A minus, B plus game, they can win that game without playing that. And so if you can win without playing your best football, uh, that to me smells like a game that Georgia Southern will win either, you know, handily or or close. But I do think Georgia Southern beats Louisiana and South Alabama. So I'll move them to 2-0 and uh, in this stretch simply because of the bye week uh, in front of Louisiana. And then, you know, the short week, I've always thought, and this is not a popular opinion on my Twitter, but I've always thought that teams facing uh, option teams with less time to prepare are at a disadvantage, whereas LSU has had, you know, four or five months to prepare for an option offense that they rarely see. So I think Georgia Southern goes 2-0 and in this stretch. Mike, how do you see these games shaking out? Yeah, I agree with you that Louisiana might be, maybe not make or break, but that will be uh, a game where Georgia Southern fans either say this could be a special year, they've got a real chance to make a run at a conference championship, get back to a bowl game, maybe a, a better bowl game and win that again. Or it could be maybe not panic time because you'll have played, as you said, the defending West champion, one of the better teams in the conference. But Like Arkansas State last year, kind of. Exa- exactly. Exactly. And Louisiana – a lot of people are looking past them. Uh, a lot of the preseason predictions have them just barely being bowl eligible. 
but I think that they've got something going. They don't have much of a defense. Uh, Georgia Southern, if they can take advantage there, which I think they might be able to do on another hot, muggy day uh, or night in Statesboro, if they can get the offense rolling, I think that uh, they'll be able to, to run away with that one. But Louisiana, outside of the Georgia Southern backfield, I don't think you're going to find a, a, a deeper, more talented group of uh, playmakers than what the Raging Cajuns have. So Georgia Southern's defense is definitely going to get tested. Maybe it's good that they're going to uh, face a couple of power fives before that. But if they can show up at their A game, I think they take care of the Cajuns. It might be a different story if it was down on the bayou. And then with South Alabama, I think that they're a team, most coaches say that they've got more talent than what their win record's showing. But for whatever reason, Georgia Southern, even when they were at their lowest point, the one place where that stink didn't quite get to them was Lab People's Stadium. They've always done well in Mobile. I look for them to go down there and take care of business and hopefully start off 2-0 in conference. All right, so we're on the same page thus far. Mike has uh, Georgia Southern at 2-0 and in that stretch also. Sure, we'll diverge at some point. We better diverge, man. All right, let's go to uh, bye week, October 12th. So you have those, these two, bi- <laughs> yeah, they're still undefeated in the bye weeks, I think in the modern era at least. Uh, bye week sandwich these, these games uh, against Louisiana and South Alabama. So Georgia Southern will play two games in a month and three days, uh, and then they'll turn around and they'll play three games in about a 12-day period. So it's going to get really wild. They'll, they'll have the bye week on October 12th, Coastal Carolina at home on October 19th, and then New Mexico State on the 26th and App at App State on Halloween night. So uh, Georgia Southern's schedule was a little like this last year and in you know in that they had kind of a stretch where they didn't play a lot of games uh just cuz of the way the bye weeks and that Thursday night um, Texas State game worked out and then they turned around and played a lot of games in a short amount of time so th- it's going to be the same way again this year um, Coastal Carolina on October 19th uh, I think Georgia Southern wins that game because they're better but Coastal Carolina is getting better um, and there certainly is no love lost uh, between those two programs given what went down with their head coach and Jamie Chadwell uh, not too long ago. Um, I think Georgia Southern beats Coastal. New Mexico State, is it, they might be the worst team on Georgia Southern's schedule. I, you know, them and Maine would be... You could make a great case that Maine would beat New Mexico State, I think. Yeah, and I think on a neutral field, that, that thing's a push them. So, you know, New Mexico State at home, Coastal Carolina at home. Again, these are two games... That kind of, if you're looking at what the goals are for this team, they are must win. And Georgia Southern has said they want to go undefeated at home this season. Uh, you know, when I look at this schedule, I would say you had better go undefeated at home if what you're trying to do uh, is expected to be accomplished. Uh, you know, just quickly, the home slate Maine, Louisiana, Coastal Carolina, New Mexico State, ULM, and Georgia State. You, you need to win all those games if things on the road go as we expect so in this three game stretch i'm gonna go two and one i'm gonna go wins over coastal and wins over new mexico state i don't see it happening at app on october 31st that that's that's four days in between georgia southern's game against new mexico state who you know as bad as they might be they scored a lot of points on georgia southern last year and they're probably going to air it out again uh, with very little defense to speak of. So coming into that app game, Georgia Southern will have played, uh, you know, two games in the, in the last two weeks, and then they'll get five days, four days, really, 
uh, in between New Mexico State and App. That's why I don't see uh, Georgia Southern beating App. I picked App or Georgia Southern to beat App last year. So before you guys get out the pitchforks, um, I, I you know I did pick Georgia Southern to beat App last year. That turned out well. So I hope I'm wrong this year, but I don't see Georgia Southern beating App. Um, I do think a lot of crazy and you know borderline uh uh well no i'll just say it i think probably some funny signs will come out of that app state game uh involving Wirtz and kind of his off-season drama i can't imagine what those guys in boone are cooking up already for that october 31st game mike i guess i'll let you go ahead and give your rundown of these three games but also kind of the quirkiness of this schedule for someone that's been around the team a little longer than me is this something that it, you know, is new now that there's two divisions in the Sun Belt, this kind of two games in a month and then three games in two weeks kind of scenario? Well, I think that the, the team's used to it by now. I think it was a big shock to the system when they first got the FBS. Uh, I, I don't know that too many people were expecting Georgia Southern to immediately get that nod by the Sun Belt and ESPN to be chosen for multiple midweek games, which is what's creating uh, you know, that, that time crunch on the amount of time between games. But I think all the guys who are going to be dependent on to be starters this year, they're now used to it. They know what it's like to be able to prepare for, as you said, three games in 12 or 13 days. And, you know, for as tough as Georgia Southern's schedule is, and it is tough at, uh, at App, at Troy, at Minnesota, at LSU, for as tough as that road schedule is, the one place where I think that they got done a favor was that in this time crunch uh, portion of the schedule – They've got arguably uh, uh, their two easiest games, maybe outside of uh, Maine. I mean, I, I really think the Coastal Carolina, you might even have Maine creep up on them. Uh, you know, they're in, I think, kind of the same boat as South Alabama, where they've got more talent than what they show. They're not putting it together. They had a ton of transfers uh, out in the uh, off season. That transfer portal was mostly teal for uh, for half the spring and summer. So I think this is where Georgia Southern they, they can really make their hay and. You know, uh, with so many games so quickly, I'll never call for uh, a blowout to the point where you can depend on starters getting substantial rest. But I think if Georgia Southern plays its best game, you could have that scenario in one or both of the Coastal and New Mexico State games. And that leads me to the App State game. It's a short week, but it's a short week for App as well. App's in a situation where they're playing a road game before, so it really shortens their uh, prep time. And I think... uh, this is where we diverge. I'm going to call for the for the win. I don't, depending on how App's transition into the new coaching staff goes, I'm not sure it'll be an upset, or at least it'll be expected to be a, a nip and tuck game. I think if Georgia Southern is healthy going into Boone, they've got every chance in the world to end that losing streak up on top of that mountain. Last year, the Mountaineer fans want to say it would be a totally different game if Zach Thomas doesn't get hurt. Of course, I don't think it's 34-7 to late in the fourth if he's in for the whole game, but you know, Zach Thomas wasn't the one that was missing all those tackles and letting receivers run behind them. Uh, for the first time in a long time, Georgia Southern seemed to figure out what was and still is a really good Appalachian State defense. So I think they showed last year that if App blinks even once, even with the home crowd, even with Halloween night, even with all the craziness, if App isn't on their game, Georgia Southern, they're going to be motivated. They think this is their year where they can get back on top. So with the caveat of all the the biggest pieces for Georgia Southern being healthy. If they can do that going into Boone, I look for them to to crack the rock once again and take down that mountain. Well, I hope you're right, Mike. But uh, you know, I think Georgia Southern, if they come into that game having having kind of 
won the games they were supposed to win, and you know, even if they lost at LSU at Minnesota, that would qualify as one of those games that ULM was last year when Georgia Southern, as Lunsford has said time and again, when they did not respond with a target on their back. Obviously, that game against App needs no added motivation, but that would be, for me, the first opportunity you'll get to see Georgia Southern on the road with a target on their back. I don't think South Alabama, um, under any scenario, would qualify uh, as that type of game. Um, Again, similar to to what Texas State was, it'll be semi-early on a Thursday night against a team you should beat. Um, So I think South Alabama really won't tell you a lot one way or the other if Georgia Southern goes into app uh you know with five wins six wins already uh you know well you know even four wins then I think we're going to learn a lot about this team on October 31st in Boone um so Mike goes with three and oh I go with two and one during that stretch let's get to the final four games of the season where Georgia Southern will alternate home and away within the Sunbelt Conference uh, this is the stretch, whether we like it or not, that will ultimately decide the winner of the Sun Belt East, uh, not just for Georgia Southern's uh, you know, purposes, but for, any, for anyone. These teams uh, are, are really going to probably battle it out for the one spot as far as App State, Troy, and Georgia Southern go. Uh, Georgia Southern will be at Troy on November 9th, home against ULM on November 16th, at Arkansas State on the 23rd, and then home against Georgia State on November 30th. Uh, for me, I'm going to go three and one during this stretch. And and you know, I thought about two and two. I don't see Georgia Southern losing to ULM at home. There was just too much that went wrong last season uh, in Monroe for Georgia Southern to slip up in that one. Again, these, this is really far out. Things could change, and I want to say I reserve the right to change my prediction uh, during the season. But for for now, I'm going to go. Uh, loss at Troy, putting Georgia Southern with back-to-back losses just like last season. And then I see them running the table uh, against ULM at Arkansas State and Georgia State. Uh, for me, I, I, I don't see what I guess other folks see with Arkansas State. Uh, there, there's too much change in too many important places for me, for Arkansas State, uh, to be as highly regarded as they are. Um, I would say that the separation between them and uh, say a team like ULM is not as great as what people may think. Certainly, I would I would think Louisiana for me is is a better team in the West than Arkansas State. Um, I, I do think the November 9th game at Troy, uh, if Georgia Southern beats App the week before, Troy is going to be monumental uh, as it was last year coming off the ULM loss. If Georgia Southern loses to App. Troy's going to be monumental. I, 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 App State's really good, but I can see them losing a game that's not Georgia Southern easily. So regardless of how that one turns out in Boone, you had better be ready, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten days later when you go to Troy, Alabama on November 9th. Um, and then November, or yeah, let's see, November 30th, Georgia State at home. Um, I'm not convinced that Georgia State will have the same head coach by the time they come to Statesboro. I don't know how long Elliott lasts there. Uh, they they play a heck of a non-conference schedule as well, and then they obviously have to go through Georgia Southern, uh, Troy, and App State in the East. Um, I don't know how good Georgia State's going to be. Uh, I know that Georgia Southern will be better uh, than Georgia State on paper, at least, and they had better beat 
uh, teams like Georgia State at home uh, to finish the year. I'm going to go three and one with the final four games, Mike, which puts my record at quick calculations eight and four and six and two for Georgia Southern. Uh, what say you for the final four? All right, buckle up. I'm about to go for a ride. All right, I'm pulling up a drink. <laughs> I think that you touched on it uh, <clears throat> as far as the Troy game goes, that even right now Georgia Southern knows how big that game is going to be regardless of how the app game plays out. Last year, they kind of stumbled into it. Everybody figured Georgia Southern would be better. No one figured that they would be taking down a nationally ranked app team and then all of a sudden be the front runner in the East with a quick turnaround and a really good Troy team coming in the, the next week. And, you know, as Lunsford said time and time again, they didn't respond well to that. They stumbled. I think that with an entire off-season's worth of mental preparation, not that they're looking ahead, but they know right now how big that game's going to be. I think they take that momentum from the win and boom. They manage to get it done again. They're going to beat Troy at Troy. And then I think that there's going to be enough of a carryover of a bad taste in their mouth from last year that they take care of business at UL Monroe. And now for all the Georgia Southern fans that are getting excited, here's where I throw a wet blanket on it. Because I think that after that win against Monroe, they're going to be uh, uh, sitting right up there with a great record. I think they're going to play LSU and Minnesota tough enough to where when everybody looks at that record, Georgia Southern is going to be the third Sun Belt team to be ranked. And in the tradition of other previously ranked Sun Belt teams, they're going to go into hostile territory on a Thursday night and immediately lose that ranking at Arkansas State. Then they'll take care of business against Georgia State. I uh, don't think that anybody needs to any motivation to get up for that game, but that'll bring me to uh, what do we got there? Uh, nine and three, and seven and one, and your Eastern Conference champs. Nine and three, seven and one. Uh, Mike, I wrote it down, but I know obviously you'll remember that, uh, given your historic memory uh, uh, on this podcast. I think nine and three and seven and one. That just sounds too good to be true uh, I, but but it does but when you look at it the way we look at it you know in these little blocks and th- obviously that's not how the season's going to play out they're not going to play out and just block you know portions of the schedule where they're standalone things you know injuries are going to happen other things are going to happen to other teams uh someone's going to be good we thought was going to be bad someone's going to be bad that we thought was going to be good but nine and three and seven and one with this schedule, I think would land you uh, in an, another obviously upper tier Sunbelt Bowl. And if they can, I mean, if Georgia Southern gets in the conference title game, and I think seven and one does that for sure. Uh, I, you know, it sounds bad, but that I, for me, that's a successful season in by any measure. If they can win the East with this kind of a schedule. Um, Mike, just generally, let me go just ahead. stop you right there. Like that's that's where I came to, uh, you know, the prediction of nine and three and seven and one is you, know, you keep saying the schedule, the schedule. That's what everybody's looking at when they're ranking Georgia Southern third in the East. When they're saying that you know this could easily be a better team than last year with two or three fewer wins than last year, and I, I get that it's going to be a tough uh, uh, schedule. If anything happens in terms of injuries, you know, it could easily go uh, downhill. Uh, for the Eagles, but since everybody's healthy right now, all I can do is look at it on paper, and I really think that for all the talk about schedules, when you look at it on paper, Georgia Southern is not behind at all, I don't think, in talent from App State or Troy. Sure, they're going to be on the road, but, you know, the the field and the crowd don't score you any points. Uh, The betting line might say differently, but I think that Georgia Southern's got the talent to beat anybody in that conference 
on any given day. I think they've got the experience that they lacked in the last couple of years. So, sure, things could go crazy. But I talked about App State, even with the home field advantage, if they blink even a little, Georgia Southern's shown that they can bounce on them. Same goes for Troy. These are two new coaching staffs. I'm not saying it's going to go as sideways as it did for Georgia Southern when they changed coaches a few years ago. But if they take even a half step back, look who's right on their heels. And that's what, to me, makes 9-3, and 7-1 and one seem like a doable thing. All right, quickly, Mike, and then we'll wrap up. Do you think, I mean, is it safe to say that 7-1 and one is what it's going to take to win the East? Or do you think someone at 6-2 and two could win it with a tiebreaker? Yeah, well, that's that's where I think the, the tough schedule does come into play. Is if Georgia Southern loses two games in conference, I don't see many ways where the tiebreaker would come out in their favor. You know, right, would because the two games they would, would have lost. Two teams and losing some weird ones. Yeah, so absolutely, six and two could win it. I think that's what everybody was careening towards last year until a couple of upsets happened. They were looking at a possible three-way tie at six and two. But for Georgia Southern, yeah, the the way that's where if you look at the schedule, you figure if they lose two in the conference, where are they going to come from? The most likely candidates at App at, at Troy, and if you lose both of those, you got no chance to win it. Even if you lose one of them, you might uh, very well be behind the eight ball. Uh, so Georgia Southern, yeah, if if they're going to win it, I think seven and one is the most likely way that it happens. I don't see them running the table. And I don't see too many ways that they can drop two games and be on top of the East. All right, I'm with you. So you guys all heard it. Mike at 9-3, and 7-1 for Georgia Southern. Uh, he has said um, off the air that if he is not 100% accurate, he will shave his head. So, uh, I, you know, Mike, you don't want to have to shave your head, do you? Oh, man. I mean, it, well, it is Wednesday. That's my usual head shaving day. Oh, that's, I, I didn't know that. You should have told me that. I, I didn't. You got to put my people in touch. I air on Wednesday, though. <laughs> you, you, That's when I go on camera for the thing I'm going to promote later. But, yeah, got to make sure the uh, the non-lettuce is tight. Yeah, got to keep it nice and shiny up top. Ladies love the flow, Mike, and they, and they love your flow especially. You want to give me, uh, now that you gave me a season prediction, you want to give me your uh, Georgia Southern MVP, and I'm going to put a caveat in this one. You can't pick words. Not in shy words division? No, you can't pick words. I can pick words, but you can't. You can't pick words. All right. Well, I know that uh, a lot of the buzz last week was about JD King uh, becoming eligible. Uh, he's going to be able to play the full season with Georgia Southern. That's going to be huge. It's going to make that backfield a monster, both in terms of depth and in terms of size. Literally, it's some big running backs. All of them can pick them up and put them down. However, I think that you might see a limited role for him in the first couple of weeks. Uh, they had to practice most of the fall camp with him you know, running with the scout team because they just couldn't integrate him into the plan. They weren't sure if they were going to have him or not. So because of that, I think he comes on strong late in the year. But the guy who's going to be consistent from game one until game 12, I think your offensive MVP, overall MVP, is going to be a guy who came on strong last year, and that's going to be Logan Wright. Hey, that is a little that is, is a little off the beaten path there, Logan Wright. Dependable. I'm not looking for the most touchdowns, maybe not even the most yards. I'm going to say that when Georgia Southern needs the yards, and I'm not allowed to pick shy words. That's who it's going to go to. Well, now, yeah, you just made that pick a lot safer now by qualifying it with that. But I'm going to go with Wes Kennedy, if that's all right with you, Mike. I'm going to go with Wes Kennedy just because of the amount of touches he'll get. Uh, last year, you know, when you look at the stats, it's hard to imagine that he had that many kickoff return yards and punt return yards without actually taking one all the way to the house. So I think at, at some point this year he breaks one. Um, he's obviously going to get his touches 
on the offensive end. Um, and, you know, I, I was leaning towards maybe Monquavian Brinson. I, I think Monquavian Brinson's going to have a huge year. I, I've, I've always been high on him. I love the way he plays. Um, and for a guy that racks up as many tackles as number four gets, uh, I, I think that he's just going to have an impact on a lot of these football games. And if he has uh, the right impact, he could he could end up being the defensive MVP of this team. But but I'm going to go with Wes Kennedy for my overall MVP, um, and uh, I will say at least one special teams touchdown uh, in the process. Mike, you want to tell everyone how they can follow you and, and uh, read your stuff? Uh, sure, you can read my stuff in print in the Statesboro Herald, uh, online at statesboroherald.com, also online at statesboroherald.com is the Eagles Nest, our weekly show where we cover all Georgia Southern sports, mainly football right now. Everybody's excited about it, but we'll touch on everything throughout the fall. And then uh, on game days, you can find me on Twitter at at HeraldGSSports. Awesome, Mike. And for us, you guys can find it at savannahnow.com slash sports. Uh, want you guys to sign up for our newsletters coming every Tuesday night. Uh, newsletter is a great way to get quick, rapid information on Georgia Southern without having uh, to really do too much besides open your email inbox. So if you are the kind of person that wants Georgia Southern news uh, as easy and quickly as possible, that's the way to do it. So you'll go to savannahnow.com uh, to our homepage and then sign up uh, on the right side where it says newsletters. Uh, also rate and subscribe this podcast, please. Uh, don't rate it if you're not going to rate it five stars, though. I, I want to add that. So rate it five stars, then share it, uh, then rinse, repeat, and tell your friends. Uh, you can follow me at Jadon Sports uh, SMN. Uh, plenty of stuff going on on my Twitter timeline of late. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us through the off season. And we're not long now. We'll see you all in Baton Rouge. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter. And this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage. Click get our newsletters and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. All right, we're joined now by Sonny Ship of Go247. Uh, he covers LSU, covers the beat for those guys, uh, has been in touch with LSU all offseason and for a while now, and, and I've been keeping up uh, with LSU as the season approaches uh, by checking out Sonny's stuff. Uh, Sonny's here to give us a preview of the Tigers and kind of give you guys a glimpse into what Georgia Southern is headed for uh, on August 31st, this Saturday night in Death Valley. Sonny, thank you for joining us. Man, always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. I've been telling everyone this week uh, in different radio spots and interviews and, and on on this podcast how happy I am that football is back instead of all of these off-season and recruiting stories. I mean, I love it, but I'm so glad that there's actual football to talk about now. Yeah, and not preseason football either. <laughs> you know, oh, we don't man. have to go through we don't have to go through the pain of watching the uh, the NFL preseason right now. And you know, Florida, Miami kind of gave us a glimpse, but 
this Saturday, I tell you what, man, I think it's going to be like Christmas morning for uh, for college football fans all across America. You know, it really is. And, and with the Georgia Southern LSU kickoff, obviously, you know, our eyeballs, people listening to this, their eyeballs will be glued on that one. But, uh, you know, Georgia opened up at Vanderbilt. I think Auburn and Oregon are also the same time. So kind of that 730 slate on Saturday night is going to be really something. Hopefully, I haven't been to the press box in Baton Rouge yet. Maybe you can give me a little scouting report on that, on the TV situation in there. But hopefully they got some TVs going in the press box as well. Well, the one thing, the one advantage you'll have over all Georgia Southern fans who make the trip to Baton Rouge is you'll have a little reprieve from the humidity. You'll have a little bit of air conditioner in there. But I warn anyone who's, uh, who's never been to South Louisiana in late August, early September, don't let 6.30, don't let a, a 6.30 Central Time, don't let that, uh, you know, that quote-unquote night game fool you. It is going to be hot. It's going to be humid. And I think that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a big challenge for both teams is uh, being able to brave those elements. Well, let's, let's jump right into that quickly, Sonny. I was going to end with this, but since we just touched on it, uh, for the Georgia Southern fans listening, and there's a large contingent of them planning to travel uh, this weekend to, to Baton Rouge, I guess it, for you, for someone that's been around that team and that stadium and that atmosphere for a while, is there kind of one rookie mistake that you usually see a beginner make there? It's something that you can steer them clear of or, or uh, uh, maybe something that's most rookies don't do when they go to Baton Rouge? Well, you know, one thing about one, one, one thing about Georgia Southern fans, I'm sure most of them, uh, most of them reside in the peach state. And so they have that partying mentality like we do down here in Louisiana. I think the biggest mistake people can make is that they start drinking and they start partying too early in the day. And when they make it into that stadium, and there's no breeze and that humidity really starts to kick in and they've got to pay i don't know what it is six seven eight dollars uh for a bottle of water whatever it is drink plenty of water during the day because you don't want to have to buy it in tiger stadium and now with tiger stadium selling out being able to sell alcohol you know i guess one good thing that uh the georgia southern fans will have is they won't have to stop drinking at the tailgate they'll be able to take it on into the stadium See that now that's a plus for everyone. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more specifically? I don't know if you guys have been filled in yet. How does that work with the alcohol in the stadium? Do you show uh, your ID each time? Do you know, or do you get a wristband at, at the gate? Kind of how does that how does that work? Man, you know, I really don't know. They haven't given those specifics like that, but I do know for baseball games. At LSU baseball games uh, this year, they had a tent, like a little tent area blocked off down, uh, down, each, uh, down the right field and down the left field line. And what they would do there is you would show your ID to, uh, I don't know, kind of like when you're going to a bar, you know, you got the guy out front checking IDs. You would show them your ID there, and then they would put a bracelet on. And you could come and leave. You would have to drink your beer inside that tent. But you could come and, you know, you could drink your beer, go to the stand, you know, go back to your seats, come back, get you another one and whatnot like that. So I would imagine what they'll probably do to be able to, uh, you know, expedite the orders is what they'll probably do is upon getting your first one, they'll probably put a uh, put a wristband on you. Because I can't see them, you know, I can't see them checking IDs at the gate and going through that process of putting yeah. a wristband on people who won't even drink, you know. So right. I would imagine it would be like your first purchase kind of deal. 
And then I guess one more housekeeping thing, and then I promise, folks, we're going to actually talk football. Uh, one more housekeeping thing. Uh, we see in the game notes this week that uh, Georgia Southern, their largest crowd they've ever played in front of uh, was in 2011 at Alabama, and I believe that was like a noon kickoff in November um, in Tuscaloosa. That was still uh, like right around 101,000. For you who's who's been around LSU, what kind of uh, – I guess, attendance and atmosphere do you expect? It's a season opener, obviously, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to call Georgia Southern a lesser opponent, but I think you get what I mean. It's not like they're opening up with, say, Oregon or somebody like that in the non-conference. What kind of attendance number do you expect? You know, I, I, I think I think it's going to be a sellout. I think it'll be, a, it'll be 103,000 plus. But I think, you know, I, one thing – that Georgia Southern fans that I think that they should, uh, you know, that they should be proud of is that LSU fans are well versed and they went 10 and three last year, won a bowl game, you know, had, uh, I, I believe if my numbers are correct, the number seven rushing offense in the country last year yep. had a, has a quarterback that did not throw, you know, didn't throw a ton of passes, but also did not throw an interception last year. They've heard about the Georgia, you know, about Shea Wirtz and the Georgia Southern quarterback, about the, uh, you know, the off-season crazy story that crazy. just, that's, you know, it's mind-boggling to say the least. You know, so so I think that there's a, you know, there's a lot more respect that the LSU fan base has for Georgia Southern than say if LSU was opening the season against uh, UL Monroe, you know, an in-state school of that nature. So I, I think that I think the fans are going to be excited. They hear about the option offense that Georgia Southern's going to bring in. So right there, you you grab the attention of your diehard LSU fans mm-hmm. because they know how tough it is to stop an option offense in today's day and age of college football where it's just spread and throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. So I, I think that, you know, I, I think the atmosphere is going to be, I think it's going to be a good atmosphere, a really electric atmosphere. And I think to Georgia Southern fans, I think they're going to, uh, that they're going to enjoy it. They're going to enjoy the tailgating, uh, you know, do not be um, do not be bashful at all about going up about you know you're wearing your Georgia Southern colors. Do not be bashful at all about walking up to tailgates, introducing yourself because one thing LSU fans are known for is that is is, is taking in the uh, the opposing fans at tailgates and just you know making them a part of the family. Now, obviously, you've got some, you know, you've got your students, you've got your knuckleheads who, you know, who act stupid and things like that. But when you walk in by and you see some people cooking some stuff that looks really, really good, I encourage Georgia Southern fans, go up, introduce yourself, hang out. They're going to give you food. They're going to give you alcohol. They may even have a place for you to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and those things are rare to come by, those bathrooms in the tailgating area. I know that for sure. They are, they are, and just be wary of if you, if you, if you see a truck open and you and you got both doors open, you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, walk walk the other way, right? Walk the other way. <laughs> All right, let's let's jump into some football, Sonny. I, I I wanted to ask you this right off the rip. I've seen the quotes from Orgeron this week, and they are about as expected as you could get. Um, you know, college coaches these days, and not just these days, always, it seems like the team that they're playing next uh, it might as well be the 85 Bears. Uh, every team coming in, you know, is a world beater, and that's the way Orgeron's talking about Georgia Southern. You, you're kind of 
able to read it, you know, in between these quotes from him. Uh, he's obviously not short on words, but I guess how seriously uh, has this coaching staff, um, and I won't even say the players yet, but just how seriously has this coaching staff taken Georgia Southern uh, as the season opener since the conclusion of last season? I think they're taking them very seriously. And one thing Ed Orgeron spoke about yesterday was how, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got, I want to say, four, maybe five uh, analysts on the defensive side of the ball who aren't part of the paid, uh, you know, who aren't part of the paid 10 assistants that you can have on staff. And all spring, you know, during the spring and during the summer, you know, they spent a lot of time studying the Georgia Southern offense. They spent a lot of time on uh, devising, uh, you know, devising schemes, devising plans of being able to stop that option attack. And so I think they've taken it. Yeah, I think they've taken it very seriously. And I think something that that last year's LSU team was good at, and with 16 starters back, I think this team is going to follow that, uh, have that same mentality is that when Ed Orgeron says focus on the present, focus on what you can handle right now, block out the outside noise. You know, they did a good job of blocking out people predicting that, you know, they could have a losing season last year. They came back and they, you know, they come up and they win 10 games. And I think that this team is going to take on that same mentality, that same mentality to where he says block out the noise, Let's focus on what we can control, and what we can control is in this house right here. I don't believe he's looking past Georgia Southern. You know, coaches often say the most important game is this next game right here. Well, you and I know it's human nature to be thinking about, okay, that week two matchup in Austin is going to, you know, I mean, it, right. some people are calling it the college football game of the year. But I don't think, I don't think uh, Ed Orgeron and his staff have – gone as far as to start working ahead on the Texas game by any means. I think they're focused on Georgia uh, on Georgia Southern. I think they're focused on the task at hand. And, um, you know, he said it perfectly to where when you play an option offense like Georgia Southern, if you don't play assignment football, you miss a tackle here, you miss the dive, you miss a pitch, you don't block your man, they could take it for a big play. And all it takes is one look at Shea Wirtz's uh, highlights to know that, you know, I mean, he almost broke a 1,000 yards last year. So, I mean, he's a, he's a big play waiting to happen if someone doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't play their assignment. And for all of us kind of following LSU from afar, we've heard a lot about kind of their transition offensively but you know I'll say this as a layman it does seem like I've heard this kind of noise out of LSU's camp before uh you know I think a few years back and I'm not saying that their offense has ever been bad but they've kind of always and correct me if I'm wrong they've kind of always been waiting for that explosive year you know where they're averaging 30 35 plus uh, a game it seems like people are really really high on this new uh, pass oriented scheme what do you think of the offense so far and kind of you know how would you explain it to a layman yeah fans have fans have clamored for you know for uh you know for more passing for a more explosive offense you know for the last uh, the last few years of the less miles era um obviously with uh you know when edwards run hard matt canada in his first full season as the head coach, uh, they didn't get that. You know, they they didn't get what they wanted, and that just wasn't a that just wasn't a good uh, a good marriage between Orgeron and Canada. But 
last year with Steve Insminger calling the plays, you started to see a shift. You know, you started to see a shift with more with LSU more in the line of uh, of spreading the field a little bit more. You saw a lot more uh, a lot more no huddle. You saw a lot more of them getting up to the line of scrimmage and running plays quicker. And with Joe Brady coming in as the new passing game coordinator, they're going to have more spread concepts than they had last year. You know, LSU gave up 34 sacks, um, which was seventh in the SEC last year. And I think a reason for that is that some of the plays took too long to develop. And then obviously they had some issues at right tackle and with an offensive line that they just had to mix and match for so much of the season. But I think the biggest change that fans are going to see this year is they're going to see uh, more tempo, more hurry up. And in the passing game, they're going to see Joe Burrow getting rid of the ball a lot quicker. And, uh, you know, that's going to be by design, also by maturity, since last year was his first year as a starter. But they have to compensate for still having some issues at right tackle. Uh, ideally, Austin, Austin Beculus is going to be the starting right tackle. Ideally, you would want him inside at guard. Uh, he's just kind of heavy-footed, um, you know, is not really able to handle speed rushers that well. And so, one, you know, that's a thing that they wanted to do is in changing the offense is get rid of the ball quicker and also incorporate the running backs into the passing game more. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern fans who watched LSU in the past, they probably saw more eye formation than they uh, in one year than they've seen from any other team in 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 20, the last twenty years. But now LSU's base offense offensive set is going to be with eleven personnel: a running back, a tight end, three wide receivers, and obviously your lineman and your quarterback. And so uh, you know, so I, I think those are going to be some of the big changes that they'll notice on offense. And then one more question on offense, quickly. Uh... There, it seems to be a, a really obviously talented group of receivers, but it, you know, is it wrong to assume that that you know taking away one of those receivers, if the defense were to plan to take away one of those receivers, uh, you know, the next guy up wouldn't be that far of a drop off in terms of uh, Jefferson, Chase, Dylan, uh, guys like that. Are they are they kind of all uh, you know? equal I guess in terms of the production expected of them this year or is there one guy for you that that Georgia Southern fans should really be focused on well Justin Jefferson led LSU last year with 54 catches for 875 yards and six scores but then after him you had you had a host of guys that were in that uh that 21 to, to 23 to 25 uh catch realm this year I think you know we saw Jamar Chase really really you know emerge as a you know you looked at him and said man this guy's going to be a big time player in the fiesta bowl win against uh central florida he really kind of had a coming out party then and i think that he's a guy that if you focus too much on justin jefferson jamar chase terrace marshall another former five-star wide receiver from the 2018 class they can hurt you too and so um you know one of the things that joe burrow has commented on that he really likes with this this new direction the offense is going is that instead of the wide receivers learning the x position the y position the z position they're learning routes and so that way they can right. play 
they can play anywhere. They can move around a lot. And so that's going to, I think that's going to be a little tougher for defenses to key on. And, um, you know, and it's really going to kind of help them, uh, you know, be able to spread the wealth. Yeah. And I remember last year I, I was actually in San Marcos, Texas, uh, with Georgia Southern, uh, on a Thursday night, Georgia Southern played, and then that Saturday was when uh, LSU just boat raced Georgia uh, on national television. And that was kind of my, uh, I guess, legitimate introduction to Joe Burrow. Uh, I had always kind of just said, okay, Zach Medenberger with maybe a different number. Uh, but he certainly has a lot of expectations this year. Uh, how good has Joe Burrow been since he arrived at LSU, and how good do you expect him to be this season? Uh, you know, I tell you what, I really think uh, the last four games last year, he really started to, uh, you know, he really started to come on. One to, I wanted to say completed uh, completed nearly 67% of his passes over that span, averaged just under 300 yards a game. And, and I really think that this offense – if it can execute, if it can keep Joe Burrow clean, if the offensive line can keep him clean, I really think that this could be a record-setting offense for LSU. I think that the uh, I think that the passing game can be as good or better than it was in 2013 when Zach Mettenberger was slinging the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. Since then, LSU's passing game uh, would be considered lethargic at best. Uh, but I really think that I really think that Joe Burrow is in line this year to uh, to put up some really big numbers. Touch on one more thing, and then we'll let you go. Uh, you know, defensive guys probably won't like this, but we'll only get one defensive question. And chicks still dig the offense, I think, so that's fair. Um, I- I'll leave this defensive question really simple for you and open ended. How good is Grant Delpit, and I guess how involved will he be on Saturday? Well, you know, LSU has only had, uh, prior to last year, LSU has only had eight unanimous All-Americans in school history. And Grant Delpit was the ninth after the season that he had last year. Tied for the SEC lead in interceptions with five. Really just emerged. You always knew he was going to be good, but I think he exceeded, you know, nearly everyone's expectations uh, for last year. I mean, you can go back and I'm, I, and I'm not sure if you watched the LSU Auburn game, but like that interception that he had early of Jared Stidham, on, I want to say the first or second drive, you know, just a diving, yeah. a diving grab to where he just, you know, reacted and read the play perfectly. And, and that's what he gives you. You know, he's a guy who can play close to the line of scrimmage. Just like LSU's other safety, Jacoby Stevens, who's six, you know, 6'2, 220, 225. Both of them are big guys that can run and that can cover. And I think what you're going to, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see LSU have three safeties on the field um, a good bit this year. I don't know if you'll see it against Georgia Southern because they're, you know, LSU is not expecting them to throw the ball much. But I think what you'll see with LSU this year is they're going to, Dave Aranda finally has, I, I, I think he finally has, all of his players bought in from an intelligent standpoint to where they've spent the time of mastering his playbook, of knowing when and where they had to be certain places. And I think you're going to see this year, you're going to see him do a lot of different things. Sometimes they'll go with two defensive linemen. Sometimes they'll go three. Sometimes they'll go four. 
Sometimes they'll have four linebackers on the field. Sometimes they'll have five, maybe as many as six linebackers on the field. Same thing with defensive backs. You know, they may have three safeties on the field and nickel. And so I really think that you're going to see him be able to mix and match a lot of different personnel this year and uh and to really be able to to bounce back from last year's defense you know last year's defense finished 25th in the country in total defense well if you think back to Dave Aranda and and everything that he had accomplished at, at, at Wisconsin even at Utah State it's you know that wasn't on par with the with where his defenses have ranked in the past and so I, I think you're going to see LSU's defense climb back up into that top 10 national tier and uh you know and, and i really think that it's going to be a deep defense that's going to allow him to be able to play a lot of players and create some problems for offensive coordinators all right i'm going to put you on the spot before we let you uh plug plug your stuff you got a prediction for us score and winner <laughs> uh you know i i really think that you know some people think that lsu is going to uh you know, keep the curtains pulled back and try not to show show too much to Texas and stuff. I, I, I'm leaning towards the opposite, though. I, I think LSU has practiced, you know, all summer, all throughout fall camp, about having an offense that is hurry up, that is tempo, that is throwing the ball a lot, still running the ball, but that is throwing the ball a lot. And I think that they're going to come out and they're going to work on those aspects of the game that's going to help them uh, you know, go into Texas and, and 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 possibly get that W. So you know, I I, I think the Georgia I think Georgia Southern is going to have some trouble uh, moving the ball on LSU, and I, I'm thinking somewhere you know I'm thinking somewhere probably in the low 40s to uh, you know to maybe like a 10 a 13 type of game. I know, you, I, I know that doesn't sit well. I know that doesn't sit well with your listeners. No, listen, Sonny, we have the smartest We have the smartest listeners and the best-looking listeners and just the best listeners of all time. They know, and they're sensible people. I know that. And uh, when I give them my predictions, honestly, uh, you can't get worse feedback than the, ones, than the predictions that I give. So uh, you, I think you're on safe ground there. But I do. I, I do. I do think Georgia Southern. I do think Georgia Southern is going to go in there and they're going to play tough. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a situation to where LSU jumps up thirty-five to three in the first half. You know, I do think that Georgia Southern is. I do think that Georgia Southern that you could go into halftime with something, maybe maybe something like a twenty-one to ten ball game. You know, yeah, I, and I, then in that third quarter, in that third quarter, when the cramps start coming up. When the mm-hmm. heat, when the humidity really starts affecting, you know, really starts affecting guys from a mental and a physical aspect, that's when I think LSU, you know, LSU's uh, LSU's too deep is going to come into play, and then that's where they'll kind of create a little bit of distance. I'm certainly excited to see what happens. I'm definitely just anxious uh, to see football and see all these things we've been talking about and hearing about kind of play out. Um, Sonny, do you want to give everyone um, uh, the info on how to read your stuff, how to follow you, and what to look for from you? Yeah, come check us out. It's uh, go247.com. That's G-E-A-U-X-247.com, uh, part of the 247sports.com network. Uh, come by, check us out. You can always you can get your first month for a dollar, so if they want to come by, spend a dollar. They can read about all the recruits in Georgia. They can read about the teams that they hate in Georgia, the Bulldogs, the Yellow Jackets, and everybody else. And, uh, you know, 
just uh, come check us out. Awesome. Thanks, Sonny, and we'll see you uh, in Baton Rouge. Yes, sir. Have a good day, my man. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Mass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.